0: Welcome to the How to Hunt Deer podcast. This podcast series was designed to educate those who are interested in becoming deer hunters. We cover a variety of topics that will help you become more confident and comfortable in the field while hunting deer. On this episode, the guys discuss what to expect in the field while hunting. Although deer hunting can be extremely fast paced, there are times when the hunting can be slow and even boring, but don't worry, Mother Nature will offer up plenty of exciting views and experiences that will keep you entertained. Another great episode of the How to Hunt Deer podcast starts right now. Hey everyone, welcome to episode number nine. And on today's episode, we're going to talk about what to expect during the hunt. And this can range from everything to unfortunately nothing. Right. <laughs> so, um, and this is why I love hunting. Uh, hunting can be thrilling. It can be fast pace. It can be intense and it can also be calm and it can be, I hate to say it even boring sometimes. And I'm just preparing you for the worst, the worst of the worst, but overall I love being outside. And I I love nature and all that, all this uh, and all this, but with, with the goal, especially in this series, uh, we're, we're talking about deer hunting, right? So we want to see a deer and Matt, uh, this is another complicated question because a lot of it is depends on where you're actually hunting in the United States, but, but how many deer should a hunter expect to see while in the field?
1: that is definitely an it depends answer yeah. <laughs> and the the reason i say that is it depends on as you said where you live in the country and what like deer densities are in those locations could be a lot of deer could be very few deer depends on the time of year um my expectation to see uh whatever the number of deer is during a sit is different during the middle of the breeding season than it is maybe during the late season or early season. You know, I'm I'm hoping and expecting to see more deer, more activity, uh, because of those changes in how they behave. Um, and you can you can track it over time. There are, there are estimates. Your state wildlife agency likely has estimates on. Um, some of that based on reporting their citizen science, uh, projects in each state where they track deer observations. You can even do that on your own property, but, you know, long way of saying it is, is it depends. Um, in today's day, you know, we're in terms of the heyday of deer densities, when there was a lot of deer in this country, um, you know, we're, we're recording this, it's 2021. Um, and we have less deer today than we did maybe 10 years ago uh, deer numbers are, are down. Um, but from the individual standpoint, like I feel that if you're seeing, um, about a deer, maybe two, two deer per hour, that would be a lot. I mean, that'd be a lot of deer. So if you're going to go sit in a stand and you're going to sit for three hours, you may see one deer, you may see two deer. Um, you may see 20 deer. Um, but that, that's going to be really rare. Uh, the average amount of time you're spending out in a field is, is probably closer to that one to two deer per hour um, across the board, across all seasons, and probably across all habitat types and states.
0: Yeah.
2: And there's a lot of variables that can go into that on whether you're hunting in the woods and can only see 100 yards. You know, a couple deer may have come by at 300 yards and you had no chance to see them, where if you're sitting on the edge of a field, you might see a lot of deer, but you don't have the opportunity. Right. You know, they're not in hunting range, so there's a lot of variables that go into how many you might see during a and
1: seeing a deer and having them not only within range, but being able to like really identify them and like see them up close. You may get a glimpse of a deer. That's, that's a sighting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, but that, that shouldn't determine how successful a hunt is. Right. I mean, um, if, if we were to sit here and add up every hour that I've ever hunted, and add up all the deer that I've seen throughout all of those hours that I've ever hunted, it would probably be less than one, Mm -hmm. less than one deer an hour. And that just tells you that deer just don't pop up and start running around uh, no matter where you hunt in in the U.S. You kind of got to work for them in, in some scenarios. So outside of the actual sense of seeing deer, once we've picked a spot, right? Unless you're st- still hunting, unless you're moving around with a firearm and, and covering ground, let's say you're in a, a deer blind or you're in a tree stand, You've, you're pretty much committed to that spot, All right. Mm-hmm. Once we've committed to that spot, is there anything specific that we should be listening for or any other visual cues that indicate uh, a deer is coming through the area?
1: The the what In terms of visual cues or looking for deer, um, we mentioned in an earlier episode that the you need to let the woods settle. Um, so when you first get to your place of hunting, um, you can expect a good 15 minutes, maybe 30 minutes of letting the woods kind of like come back to what it was doing before you disrupted it by walking through. And it, that is the case even in the dark, like if you're trying to get out there for a morning hunt and you're walking through um, earlier than that. Uh, so once the woods settle um, and you're looking for deer, um, some of the things you should key in on are movement. Just like deer are keying in on movement of predators, you're looking for movement. So as you're slowly scanning around, turning your head, um, you're looking for the flick of a tail. That's a movement that you may see. A Deer don't run often. They're usually standing still looking for a long time before they move. But if they're calm and they're just feeding or just standing still, they still do wave their tails. So you might see that movement. You may see a flick of an ear. Um, you see, might see the deer raise or lower its head, um, pick a leg up or something like that. So you're, generally you're looking for movement. And I would use binoculars in that case to look a little bit deeper or more detail to see if it is a deer. Another thing I, I try to pick up on is the color white. They have that white Marking on their tail. You don't really see that. You might see white around their eyes, around their throat. They have these patches of white, many deer do, around their nose. They're small, but picking up patches of white um, sometimes help because that's not a normal color you see. There's not a lot of white on deer, but that is something that even if they do change their coat throughout the season, they have a summer coat going to the fall, they get a heavier winter coat. That winter coat is mostly brown. The summer coat's mostly red, but they always have white in their coat. And then the third thing that I would look for besides movement or white uh, coloration are horizontal lines. Uh, Deer are generally rectangular shaped, and you'll see that line of their back or the line of their belly. Um, That's not a natural occurrence in the landscape unless there's a log down on the ground um, or you're looking physically at the ground. A lot of things grow up and down, trees, shrubs, Vines, they go up and down, they're reaching for the sun. So those vertical lines, and especially if you see movement, kind of where that vertical line is. So you're looking for these, not the whole deer, but glimpses of parts of deer.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Anything else from a a sound? uh, Sound. I know that there's these old wives' tales that, uh, and and sometimes this is true, right? Uh, A deer starts moving through the woods, and you'll hear a squirrel going, like, start chirping at something it's uh, almost like hey there's there's something here i don't like are there any other things we need to be listening for hank on
2: you know i had some old timers tell me that if the owls were hooting during the day the deer were on their feet but i I don't have any confirmation (laughs) of that but um truthfully deer are are fairly stealthy and pretty quiet right i'll tell you and from my personal experience squirrels chipmunks birds on the forest floor make more noise than and deer walking often right you know sometimes you will get a deer that comes in a little brisker than you know their are their slow-paced walking you can hear that but typically when i hear something that i think is walking in the woods it, it's usually not a deer and deer have this great ability to just show up out of nowhere where you should have seen them for the last 20 yards but you just all of a sudden realize there, there's a deer right there so um i, I intently listen in the woods. But I'm probably incorrect in what I think I'm hearing. If I'm like sitting there and thinking, Oh, that's a deer It's probably not. The yeah. deer are, are, are more quiet and you gotta remember that they're hooves. You know, they don't have these big hooves like cattle or whatever, they're fairly sharp. Um, you know, especially if the ground floor is damp and it's not dry, leaves are dry, you get a lot more noise from things moving through the woods, but Deer are very good at sneaking
1: up on you. Absolutely. Yeah, those hooves are, the surface area they touch is very small. So as they pick up their foot, they don't drag it. They put it down. And, uh, you know, one thing I do use for listening um, for deer, if I'm trying to key in if it's a deer or something different, is they have a pretty consistent step. So that the, the kind of space between noise is a very consistent Um, iteration of sounds whereas other animals that move through the woods are more chaotic or Mm -hmm. it's more aggressive sounding but if you hear clear steps and there's space of silence between them um, it's not quite like a person walking but it's got that staccato of Mm -hmm. step 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 like that through the woods um also for audio um, I'll try to pick up on other animals. Maybe the old old uh, grandfather's tale of the owl's hooting during the daytime may not be true, or maybe it is. Um, I do try to listen and pay attention to other animals to tell me that deer are nearby or that something's nearby. Um, sometimes it's not accurate, but I do listen to crows um, or blue jays or chipmunks or squirrels to just see if there's a ruckus and why um, or you know, other animals. Um, sometimes they do tell you that something else is coming.
2: And yeah. And the experience from getting out there, you're going to get barked at by a squirrel. That, yeah. That you're going to realize that thing's saying that I'm here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and so you can key in on that.
0: Yeah. And as an experienced hunter, and as you will learn, uh, squirrels are the... The death of us sometimes because we are so excited that whatever deer we're trying to chase is coming through the woods and you think you can hear it and you look down or behind you and you get real excited and it's a squirrel and then you calm down and then you hear it again, it's a squirrel. So, uh, squirrels are uh, definitely part of that roller coaster of emotions that we all witness while we're while we're in the stand. They
1: keep our, us on our <laughs> toes for sure. But you know, honestly, one of the things that's great about hunting is getting away from all the stuff that's busy in life. Yeah. But really, your senses are at a height that they are never in any other situation in my life mm-hmm. where I'm really listening. You know, I guess I'm supposed to really listen to my wife and kids, but, you know, like really listen to the sounds that are going on around you and not just, not just be, um, you're, you're not only a participant, you're just like really paying attention to it all and, and observing it and listening to it. And it's, it's kind of a neat feeling, which is why people are so addicted to, to being outside and why new hunters that we talk to like to be in the game and in tree stands because they're like totally engrossed in the scene of nature.
2: Yeah, yeah, I mean, hiking and backpacking are great, but there is something to hunting and being like that active participant in the system. You know, you're not just an observer. Obviously, what we've talked about often, you are just observing, that's hunting, but you know, you're there with the mindset of trying to to trick an animal or, or yeah. be a part of, of those woods. And it, you're going to see a lot of things that, yeah, you wouldn't expect or wouldn't see otherwise just because you're actively in the woods trying to disappear.
0: Yeah. Let's elaborate on that a little bit Hank. What are some things that uh a hunter can expect to see outside of a deer coming through? Like
2: it changes. I mean, obviously where you are, um you know, you can see other wildlife, bears, coyotes, bobcats, birds and squirrels like we've spoken. Um you know, there are times where you may see other game animals that you can hunt. So you you want to be aware of other seasons. Uh much of the southeast has you know uh you know wild pigs or feral swine and you know those those animals coyotes they don't really have seasons you can harvest them all year round so there are other things that you can um be looking for in the stand other than just observation um you know one of the noisiest things that comes through the woods in the southeast is armadillos they just push through all the leaves so they're very it's and they often walk with a very constant pace so they're they're pretty obvious, but um, you know, just be um, cognizant of all the wildlife interactions and how they they interact with each other. And I think you'll really find a lot of entertainment and and enjoyment in watching just the world exist. You know, people talk a lot about watching the sunrise in the woods and watching it come alive, or even in the afternoon, watching the woods kind of go to bed. And um, and you, you don't experience that any other way. No. Than, than sitting in a tree stand or you know sitting up against a tree or whatever, but you're you're going to get to experience nature like you've never seen it before.
1: A piece of advice um, we mentioned in the knowing the rules and regulations episode about maybe potentially having the not only your license on you but using your phone and how some state wildlife agencies offer an app. Um, that's another good reason to have that on there is there are sometimes seasons for other things. And I can tell you more than once, we have a fall turkey season in the state that I hunt in and it only lasts for about two weeks during the fall in the early bow season. And, uh, I've had to check that many a times where there's a flock of turkeys walking my way and they're scratching and they're making noise. And I'm like, wait, is today the last day of turkey season? Or is it, do I have another day? And just not really sure. So I can look at my phone and determine, Can I use the bow that I have to actually try to get some other game animal?
0: Yeah. Another thing that kind of to touch, to, to extend this is, and it's just a good hunting practice anyway, and that is to just be still and sit. And not only will you probably see more deer if you're quiet, if you're sitting still, if you're not on your phone the woods, the environment around you goes back to normal as if you weren't even there. And you can see some pretty extraordinary things like uh, a hawk dive bomb a rabbit or, uh, you know, birds fighting with each other or just seeing how a nest is built or, or whatever. It could be a thousand different things. It's almost like real-life National Geographics right in front of you without the the British uh, uh, narrator, so, so to speak. But uh, a, a lot of cool, just nature, cool nature things. On top of that, there are, the deer do some pretty extraordinary things when they're unbothered as well. Matt, can you talk to us a little bit about some of the, some, additional deer behavior that we might see during the hunting season
1: sure there are lots of different deer behaviors that we might see um certainly as the breeding season um starts to ramp up there are behaviors that we mentioned that are related to leaving sign for that in preparation for breeding um scrapes rubs uh that's a thrill to be able, able to watch them do that yeah the, uh, to leave leave that sign of it's not a a, a super common occurrence but i've seen that and thoroughly enjoy watching watching them participate in either um, leaving that kind of sign Um, you may see as the breeding season starts to um, take place um, prior to a doe being receptive to be bred a lot of times the bucks will advance on those antlerless or does antlerless deer and they're not quite ready so they they end up chasing chasing. them around so Um, it can be a little bit of a ruckus coming through the woods. Maybe it's a squirrel, maybe it's a buck chasing a doe, but you're going to hear, you'll be sitting there in complete silence. And all of a sudden you're going to be hearing the biggest racket of something running hard and like breaking branches. And that's a buck chasing a doe or a doe trying to get away from a buck, um, or potentially bucks fighting. Um, that's another thing. They fight for the right. There's that dominance that we mentioned earlier. There's this whole hierarchy of dominance that are in, in whitetails, and uh, there are going to be some more mature animals that are more dominant. Um, but during the fall is when deer travel the most. Their home range expands um, greatly, and they start visiting to uh, parts of the area that they've never been in other parts of the year. And so you may have this really... Well defined hierarchy during most of the year where the bucks that are living in a certain area know their place. They know if they're dominant, they know if they're not. But as the rot occurs, and this is the breeding season, and their home ranges expand, you may have individuals meet each other that have never seen each other before. And they're not sure who's top dog or top deer in the area, right? So they may start to posture. To say, uh, I'm not sure about you, and they have a whole suite of body language that they will say, yeah. and if that doesn't calm the, the scene down, like it'd be in a bar in a college town, a fight may ensue. So you may hear antlers clashing, bucks pushing each other over, chasing each other, and that can be loud and really loud um, in the fall as well. That's much more rare, um, and even more rare is actually watching deer breed. It's not a super thing that you common thing that you see, But you might find a point where there is a buck and a doe in an area, um, and they breed and they stay together. Um, And if you do see a buck and a doe standing next to each other and he follows her wherever she goes within a short distance, um, they're probably in that phase of where they're breeding. Um, It only lasts a couple days at most um, before they go different directions. But these are all different types of things um, that you pay attention to. Some of that helps with trying to decide where to hunt. Um, If you're seeing that sign, if you're seeing that activity, I would stick it out as long as possible. Um, Another thing that I do like to say uh, and observe is what deer are eating. If I'm watching deer walk through, even if they're out of range, I'm watching what they're eating. Um, I may not know the exact plant, but I can walk over there after a hunt and say, what are they browsing on over here? What are they eating? Um, That tells me what deer are eating that time of year. And uh, I generally might try to change my hunting tactic if, if deer are not within range based on what I'm observing.
0: Yeah. And I'll just say from experience, one of the coolest things I have ever seen in the woods, and it is the most exciting thing, is watching two bucks fight and fight close to where you're at. It is, it's very rare. You don't see it a lot, but it's crazy. It is so much fun.
2: Well, more common than that, you know, instead of the full-blown fighting is, you know, watch the kind of social hierarchy and the interaction between even like a a doe group and fawns or or young deer. It's fun to watch the young deer kind of play and, you know, run around some days. Um, You'll see, you know, which does are dominant. Yep. And also see which does are kind of the lead animal that may be kind of looking out for the rest of them. And at the same you know, behavior from bucks, you know, watch a young buck and a and a mature buck, you know, um, come in contact with each other. There's posturing, you'll see the the young buck get nervous of, of the bigger guy around. But there there's these interactions with deer that are a lot of fun to watch. And,
1: and if, if anybody that's listening has pets, you already know these behaviors. They do the same thing. They use they use their ears to express themselves, they use their eyes Um, How high their head is, if they hold it high versus putting their head lower uh, to show that they're they're lower in dominance. There's a lot of commonality that you see with pets.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. While you're in the stand, um, you know, we've talked about this a little bit from the gear side. But sometimes it's hard to stay comfortable. I have really bad knees i from from sports throughout the years uh, i'm starting to get, I'm starting to get old and broken um, Are there any any things that a guy or gal can do to stay more comfortable in the stand so they're they're there longer and can witness all these awesome things
1: well. We mentioned earlier about deer being able to see and their acuity is not as well as, uh, as good as humans, but what they really pick up on is movement. Um, to give you an idea of kind of like how well they see movement. Um, there's been research done that they basically see, um, they can slow down the scene that there's, that they're watching, um, almost hit it in slow motion and, uh, they can see, about four times as fast as we can. So, I mean, this sounds silly, but basically, if I'm moving my arm or hand to pick up something in the stand, or I want to move my knee because I'm uncomfortable, um, you you basically need to do that actions four times or five times slower than you normally would. So, you really want to be very slow, almost like you're moving your arms through molasses. Just reach for reaching for something. Just you can still do it. You can move if you're uncomfortable, but. Don't just reach quickly. You just want to slowly reach and grab it because you're picking up on that movement.
0: Yeah, that's a very good point. And as far as I guess I can speak for the the comfortable, it's okay to stand up. Mm -hmm. I'm talking from a tree stand. It's okay to, if you're in the ground blind, to, uh, you know, twist around a little bit, get comfortable, um, stand up, sit down. Maybe stretch if you have to. Um, you don't want to be so st- stuck to a spot that you start to get uncomfortable and the experience goes downhill for you. Do what you got to do to stay comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, but know that any fast movements like what Matt said is going to lead to potentially getting busted by um, by a deer.
1: And just because you don't see a deer out in front of you, that doesn't mean there's not one there and yep. that they're not watching you. So just be aware of that.
0: And they, these animals can sneak up on you like that. I mean, you're, you take a glance down at your phone and you look up, and there they are. And I've been guilty of that before as well.
2: I go back and forth on the phone. Sometimes I think they make me stay more still <laughs> in the stand, but at the same time, I. I would love to know how many deer we miss while we're distracted by our phones.
0: Right. Now, when it comes to uh, vocalizations that deer actually make, and we're going to talk about some of this in the next episode, but back to listening for something coming. You know, Matt, you talked about uh, bucks chasing does, males chasing females during the breeding season, maybe some fighting. Are there any vocalizations that stand out that say, Hey, I can't hear, or I can't see a deer, but I can hear one.
1: Sure. Uh, one of the ones that you all will hear (laughs) is a uh, deer basically, uh, blowing through their nose in kind of an alarm call. Um, so it sounds like a sneeze, but a really loud sneeze. And in essence, they're forcing air through their nostrils. Um, I'm sure we've all experienced it. Uh, and it's an alarm to other deer in the area that there's danger. Yeah. So if you hear this kind of loud and I'm not going to do it over the the speaker here, um this loud sneeze sound that's what what that is. Yep. Um it's a it's a warning. Probably the most uh well I don't know about nec- most common, but you'll hear bucks and doe but much more commonly bucks do something called grunting and and they they uh manufacture calls, we'll talk about that here in a second, that is a is a grunt and it's normally in a, a sign of uh, excitement. It's typically associated with gr- uh, the breeding season, uh, but you'll hear it's more of a guttural sound almost coming from the throat. Um, then there is a what's called a bleat, um, and the bleat call is generally um, antlerless deer uh, will do this, but it's, it's a local communication of location. Hey, I'm over here, we're about to move, um, much more calm setting. It's not associated with any behavior other than general communication between deer. And then uh, snort wheeze is a is a, uh, a call that you may or it's probably the rarest one is where it's a sign of aggression where you may have a buck challenging another buck or pr- just prior to a fight where it's again forcing air through the nose and then almost drawing it back in. At the same time, but those those are all different things. So you have like calls of alarm, calls of uh, breeding related, calls of just general communication between each other. Like, hey, I'm over here, and then finally challenging calls. Like, hey, I'm I'm a big bad guy over here. I want you to get out of here. Yeah, yeah.
2: One other thing you may experience with those, um, you know, when you get busted, deer don't always run off immediately. They will, you know, turn your direction, look at you, and stop. Often when they're um, blowing at you or or that sneezing sound Matt's talking about but they'll often stomp at you Um, you Matt might know more than me but I imagine it's to try to get whatever they think is there to react Mm -hmm. you know try to get it to move to show itself but they will turn, look your direction, and and stomp at you. And when that happens, you're usually busted. Yeah. And you you might want to take note of
1: that. They either smelled you or they saw movement, um, but they don't know exactly what you are. And again, because their vision is not super good, what they're trying to do is, you're right, dang, get you to move. And sometimes you'll even see their head bob back and forth, go up and down, right and left. And what they're trying to do is change the point of view of what they're looking at. To see if they can see you slightly from a different angle but well, that's exactly what that stomping sound is you'll hear it uh, but not as loudly as the blowing the blo- the blowing is kind of spine tingling you'll hear this noise and go i have no idea where that deer is but it's got me yeah yeah dang you-
0: it yeah one thing that we haven't talked about yet is when you do get busted by a deer and they make that the the snort the the alarm call that lets the other deer know that there's danger in the area what happens next like like what happens like is your hunt over because right, a lot of a lot of times you're you not feel that way yeah you're not gonna you're probably not gonna see another deer that hunt
1: probably not I mean I guess it depends on the time of year right like so if it's the middle of the breeding season like we've talked about many times is that deer at that point anything goes right so if that one deer um, is alarmed and runs away literally another deer could come by in a few minutes so I, I would stick it out right if it was at the end of my hunt if I was only gonna Sun's sit, going down yeah, or something like that or or I was only able to sit there for so long and it was not in the middle of the rut I probably would call the hunt over but I wouldn't do it right away. Uh, Honestly, when I hear that happen, I always think in my brain, I don't say it out loud. Darn, you know? Yeah. But I will sit still and let whatever that deer is doing to finish and kind of dissipate because they're going to continue doing that until they figure uh, out uh, until they either figure out or they give up. And I try to let them give it up because I want to use that same location. If I've spent time trying to set up there, I feel like it's a good spot And so me personally, I just try to watch to see what happens and just sit. And sometimes it's like, okay, I, you know, I'm here. I'm no way here. Let's, let's get this over with. But
0: yeah, overall for me, obviously I'm going deer hunting, but there is so much more that you can see and observe while you're out in the, out there and, like I, I keep going back to this, I'm a huge fan of nature. Like I love watching birds and insects climb up the trees and, and other animals do their thing and, you know, hey, I don't think I've ever seen this tree before or, or, or whatever, just observing uh, mother nature. Is there anything else that we might want to witness or that we we might witness in the woods in relationship to deer hunting? or anything else that you guys can think of while we're in the field that we need to be aware of?
1: Well, I don't know about deer hunting and maybe you have something in mind, Dan, but um, one thing I thought of, as you said, that is a lot of States rely on hunters to monitor other wildlife populations. Absolutely, um, And particularly bow hunters, because it's at a time of the year where um, it, it's, it's still quiet relatively in terms of numbers of people, um, Many many more people will go out with a firearm, so during the archery season, the sheer number of people in the woods is not to the level of uh, what it, it would be during the gun season. Now, that may seem counterintuitive. You think that state want as many people filling out surveys as possible, but um, many states use bow hunter surveys, and these are citizen science projects to monitor fur bear populations, whether or not you're seeing weasels or fishers or those kinds of things. If you're seeing or skunks. If you're seeing uh, turkeys and how many, so the turkey biologist relies on deer hunter data. Um, if you're seeing um, non-game species, that may be rare, um, whether or not you see them, how many, where they are. So you, I, I fill out a survey every year for my state agency, and they use that
0: to monitor other animals. Interesting. Interesting. Hank, anything else?
2: You know, my final consideration on this one, and Matt mentioned this earlier, you know, you know, do whatever you need to do to stay comfortable. Because if you're not comfortable, you're not. You know, and also, have fun with it. Yeah. Don't make this so serious that you can't have fun. Don't go into it like with this, you know, you know, you know kind of tunnel vision where you have to be so methodical and, and be perfect. Have fun with it. You know, Absolutely. Blow a couple deer out of there every once in a while. You know, take a friend to field. I, I really enjoy um, sitting with somebody. And else. The
0: com- camaraderie of it yeah, all.
2: Yeah, and like you know honestly the value of the cell phone for me is to document what I saw so I can prove like hey I saw these two deer do this crazy thing or whatever like, um, but it's always fun to experience with someone else and, and they might not be beside you but even having that buddy on the other side of the hill or whatever um, you're kind of out there together and that camaraderie and, and, and it goes a long way but have fun with it and, and make sure you're comfortable and having fun
0: Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you want to find out more information and utilize additional resources, visit DeerAssociation.com Hunting 101. There you will find links to the YouTube series, Guide to Successful Deer Hunting eBook, New Hunter Sign-Up Sheets, and Deer Hunting 101 courses. Additionally, You can listen to more outdoor-themed podcasts at sportsmansnation.com, on iTunes, or anywhere you download your podcasts.